This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, we're coming off one of the, I think, greatest weekends in pro football, and that was the games that we saw last weekend. I know this is midweek, so we're not going to touch on it a lot, but TJ, when you think about the, the games last weekend, what is, what's the one thing that comes to mind? Is there a play? Is there, is, is there maybe just one of the games that sticks out more than another? I think Buffalo KC was probably the best game I've ever watched. Yeah. Um, the other games, I kind of have a different take. I, I think that I was disappointed with uh, Green Bay. Uh, it just felt like that there was they had no business losing that game. No. It looked like they were the better team. And, uh, you know, but the special teams caught up to them and, and uh, you know, came back to bite them in the ass. But I, I've got a different take on this, John. I think that now that we have sports gambling, Right, yeah. it doesn't matter if you throw down five bucks or, like some people, high roller, thousand bucks. Right, yeah. if you have even a dollar on the game, you have rooting interest. Um, for me, it was a rough weekend because three out of the four teams I wanted to win <laughs> lost, and I'm watching these games. Obviously, I want Green Bay to win. I actually wanted Cincinnati to win too, so that we got off to a good start. But um, you know, I, I I thought Tampa was going to win, and I was really hoping Buffalo was going to win, and. I don't, know if it's ru- I don't know if it's ruined my experience watching these games that, uh, you know, you have a rooting interest, right? Anytime we watch the Lions play against anybody else, we're rooting for the Lions, right? Yeah. But if normally you're watching Casey Buffalo, uh, you're just hoping for a great game, which it was. Um, but if you have betting interest on it, yeah. you, you tend to become a fan again and you, you leave disappointed with, <laughs> with the loss. Now, I did find myself in that Casey Buffalo game, although I did want Buffalo to win. Um, by the end of it, like the last two minutes, yeah. I was just like, dude, I don't care. And I had like 50 bucks on it. I didn't care. Okay. But I'm like, I don't even care. Take the $50. Like, this is so worth just you got watching your 50 this bucks game. Worth already. Watching this game in the back and forth, um, it is worth it. And that, that game stuck out. I mean, I think we all kind of knew that uh, that was going to be – the premier game it was Sunday night yeah. uh, the last game of the weekend and and it lived up to everything we thought it was going to be I mean it was absolutely fantastic uh Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes you look uh-huh. at the AFC and the 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 loaded young quarterbacks that are in that division 
And Future's you, bright. And then you look at the NFC and questions about Aaron Rodgers, questions about Tom Brady. I mean, Matthew Stafford's probably got a couple years left, but he's getting up there in age, too. Um, the AFC is just <laughs> – they, they could be primed to just run the table in this league for a long time. And, and uh, you look at all the games, and they were – they were good games, right? The first three ended in uh, walk-off field goals, yep. um, but they all felt a little sloppy. I mean, Tennessee, Cincinnati, you know, nine sacks. Tannehill oh. throws three interceptions. Then you watch San Fran Green Bay and the special teams block field goal, block punt, sacks in that game. Then you watch Rams, Tampa. Rams fumble four times, try yep. to give the ball away. It just felt sloppy game, but then that Sunday night game just felt like – that felt like the Super Bowl. That yeah. felt like might have been. That felt like whoever won that game was was going to go all the way. And we'll see. We'll see with Kansas City. I think they're probably the favorites, but that was really the highlight football game of the weekend, and it lived up to the hype, man. It was absolutely incredible. Where were you on Josh Allen before the playoffs? Did his performance against New England, his performance against Kansas City? Did it change your opinion, or did it reaffirm where you're at? No, I mean, I was lukewarm on him, right? I think that uh, probably like a lot of people, you watch Josh Allen and you realize, you recognize the talent that he has. You recognize the potential that he has. But then there's always one or two games where you're like, Ugh, like what the hell is he doing, man? Like, you can't, be a, you can't be a premier quarterback in this league doing that, right? You go back to the Jacksonville game and just like, Oh, God, what was that? You know, and even the first time they lost to New England. Um, and then he has a couple games where you're like, okay, he's just got to do it consistently. Now, he obviously did that. He, he played uh, against New England in, in the wild card round, played damn near perfect football. Um, and then Kansas City, I mean, look, it's a shame somebody had to lose that game. It, whoever was getting the ball in overtime was going to win. And it's a shame that Josh Allen had to lose. There's nothing more he could have done to – Win, to 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 win that game. A lot of times when you lose, especially in the playoffs, you you just hinder your you just hinder you beat yourself. You, the yeah. next couple of weeks, I mean, all you're thinking about is what could I have done different? What could I have done better? I would have loved to have this play back. Like I don't know if Josh Allen has any of those. Like there's nothing more you could have done. You score 15 points in the last minute and 50 seconds, and you score one with 13 seconds left. And then to lose that game was just uh, had to be heartbreaking. But no, I think Josh Allen. Look, I, I think my biggest takeaway from the weekend is I'm a Josh Allen fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm a fan of his. I, I watch just the way he plays and the guts that he has, and when he runs the ball, I mean, he just looks like a freight train and making mo- making big plays and big moments. Fourth and thirteen, throwing for a 27 yard touchdown. Uh, you know, under two minutes. I mean, just big time plays. That's what. That's what I love about NFL football. When when guys step up in the biggest moments, make the biggest plays, um, and for Josh Allen, who's a guy that's been known as a hell of a talented player, um, for him to have really two performances like that in the playoffs, I mean, I, I think he's just scratching the surface with what we could see he could be. Well, and we've got, you know, obviously three of those young quarterbacks in the you know the final four you know uh, for the conference championship games you've got Mahomes with Kansas City um you've got Joe Burrow uh and I guess there's only two of those young quarterbacks but it's yeah Jimmy G and Stafford are yeah 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 
Stafford's uh, not young. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He's, yes, he's right. Yeah, guy. yeah. I, I, you got me caught up with Josh Allen there because I do believe Josh Allen is one of the has has solidified himself as one of the elite quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. Now he's got to continue to do it. Um, and like you mentioned during the regular season on a regular basis, one of the guys that has done that year in year out, probably going to win his. Uh, you know, second MVP award is is your guy, your former teammate, Aaron Rodgers. Did we watch him play his last game in Green Bay? Or did we watch him play his last game in the NFL? I, I don't think that he's done in the NFL. Um, but right now, right here, I I'd, I'd, I would be surprised. What's today? January 26, 2022. I would be surprised to see Aaron Rodgers play again in Green Bay. I would. And I just think, look... There's been talk about retirement. There was obviously a lot of talk last year about uh, you know him being unhappy and wanting to move on. Uh, you come back, you do one more year. Uh, you know him and Devontae Adams had a bunch of cryptic posts in the off season. You know about the Michael Jordan last dance and hey, one last ride type thing. Um, you've been to the playoffs now three years in a row, where you've probably been the favorite to come out of the NFC. Yep. Um, maybe not in 2019 because they had to go on the road to San Francisco. But last year, hosting the NFC Championship game against Tampa, you were favored. Uh, this year, I think you were the favorite to win it all. Yep. Um, you face the San Francisco team that's coming in. You're, you're the one seed, and you don't get over the hump. You don't get to the Super Bowl. You don't even get. You, you don't win the Super Bowl. You don't even get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think if I'm in Aaron Rodgers' shoes, I probably say, you know what. <laughs> We did everything we could, right? The last three years, we've gone all in. We've gone out and we've got some really good players. And this just might be our ceiling. We just might not be able to give get over this hump. Now, I think a lot of that we, we've been saying for a couple months now probably depends on what they do with their other free agents, Devontae Adams being probably the main guy. Yeah. If Devontae Adams doesn't come back, uh, Aaron Rodgers probably sure is gone. Um, if they find a way to bring Devontae back and keep maybe a couple of those core players to show that, hey, we're, we're going to do it one more time, yeah. maybe you can entice Aaron to come back. But um, he's got to make a decision. Is He's... I think with Aaron Rodgers, he wants to win another Super Bowl. And is that best chance going to be in Green Bay? You just had three really good shots to do it, and you didn't get over that hump. Is Green Bay going to be the best option for you to try to get that second Super Bowl? And right now, I mean, you just lost a really bad game to San Francisco. You lost the NFC Championship the two years before that. Maybe that's your ceiling, and maybe it's time that he he, he looks elsewhere. Well, it'll be interesting because if he does look elsewhere or if he's not playing in the NFL, if if the premise that we're going off of right now is that he's just not in Green Bay, he's not in the Lions division anymore, you've got a new coaching staff going into Chicago, a new coaching staff going into Minnesota, and a quarterback change. Who knows who the quarterback's going to be? I mean, Jordan Love is the guy that they drafted to replace Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think anybody is wowed by what he's done um, in his time there. Obviously, you know, he, I don't think he played terrible, but he didn't play good against Kansas City. The one game he got to start when, when Aaron was out. Yeah. It begs the question, does all of that help speed up the rebuild that the Lions are going through. And I'm going to give you some more context as well because they're going to have nine draft picks. And with what we saw Brad Holmes do with his draft picks last year, the, the jury's still out on uh, Onzerike. I'm not a huge fan, but he did find a Monroe St. Brown. They're going to have their picks. Obviously, they get the Rams pick in the first round. 
and it sounds like they're going to have three compensatory picks, and we were trying to decipher how they got three compensatory picks, and without going into too much detail. They still detail, confuse me. <laughs> yeah, they, they had five qualifying free agents they lost, two that they signed, so they get three picks. Yeah. How, they, how the NFL works that math, I think it's kind of a mystery to everybody, but in, in the long run, at least right now as it stands, without any deals made, they're going to have nine picks in this coming draft, and they're going to have, it looks like, five picks in the top 100. Yeah, and three out of the top 34. Right. Um, Does it speed up the process that the Lions are going through? Well, I think it has to. I mean, you look at how, uh, look at Green Bay potentially without Aaron Rodgers and without Devontae Adams. Are mm-hmm. they scaring anybody? No. I don't think so. I mean, look at how, uh, you know, Jordan Love played against Kansas City, and look at how he played in the second half against Detroit yeah. in, in the last week. Um, you know, when you combine that with look at how close Detroit was this past year to Chicago and to Minnesota already. You mm-hmm. lost two games. You lost a, a game against Minnesota on the last second field goal, and you beat them. You were one and one. And then Chicago, they kick a last second field goal to beat you. And then, you know, the first time you played, you turned the ball over six times in the red zone. I mean, yeah. you shot yourself in the foot, but you look at how close they already are to those other two teams, and you combine that with the fact that Minnesota and Chicago, they're probably going to be losing some key players as well. Allen Robinson's going to be a free agent. Who knows what he's going to do? Akeem Hicks, who's a big part of that defense, going to be a free agent. Uh, I don't have the list of Minnesota guys, but they're sure as hell going to lose a couple of key guys. Plus, they have to go through coaching change, new yeah. scheme. Um, who knows what else, right? I mean, that takes time. Those two teams aren't – if you're a head coach looking in the league, I don't think you're looking at Minnesota and Chicago saying, okay, they're ready to win now. They're, right. they, you still got a long way to go with those teams. Um, so for Detroit, yeah, I, I think it has to. I think Aaron Rodgers leaving the division uh, and Devontae Adams potentially leaving the division has to close that gap. Now, I don't know who the clear favorite would be. I would think that Green Bay would probably still be um, you know, the most talented team. But you combine that with a young quarterback, and you just never know. You never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, I think that's probably a dream scenario for Detroit. Find a way, <laughs> find a way to get yeah. get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams out of that division because you're already close to the other two teams. And so, I, I guess my the, my follow up question then is, and I'm going to give my thoughts on this before I ask you yours. You're going to have, as you mentioned, three picks in the top 34. Offensively, you've got a really good offensive line. You've got DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams in the backfield. You've got a stable of backs. You've found Amon Ross St. Brown, and you've got a quarterback that is, I'm not going to call him great or good. I'm just going to say serviceable. All right. And so with those first three picks, I would endorse the Detroit Lions going all in on defense. And whether it's Kyle Hamilton at the number two spot, I don't think that's what they do. I think they go, you know, pass rusher at that point, you know, Thibodeau or Hutchinson, whoever's there at number two. But then, you know, that Rams pick late in the first round, you could get yourself a safety there. You could go defensive line again or linebacker at any of those positions. Mm -hmm. And you can find yourself because – Here's why I'm excited about this draft. I'm I'm not necessarily curious. I am curious, but I'm not that concerned. You're going to get good playmakers or have a chance to get good playmakers in the top 34. What I'm excited about is Brad Holmes found Amon Ross St. Brown who well outperformed his draft position. He was also a part of the organization that w- with the Rams when they drafted Cooper Cup. 
who has turned into this year the best receiver in the NFL. He has found a way to find mid-round guys, second, third, fourth, fifth-round guys that can be productive offensively. So if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna go and say, hey, we could get a receiver in the third round or the fourth round and add them, you also have free agency. I think you go out in free agency and you try and find a number one receiver who's available. We'll, we'll wait to be seen. You know, some guys will resign. Some guys are going to hit the market. What's that market look like? How much do they want to spend? But I, I, would you endorse going all defense with three of the top 34? Yeah, and, and I also wouldn't have a problem maybe dabbling and seeing what, uh, you know, if what top receivers there maybe at uh, the bottom of the first with the Rams pick or your first, second pick. Yeah. Um, but, look, I think you're in a very – luxurious spot right now heading into the draft assuming number two you take a defensive end you take Mm -hmm. a pass rusher you combine that with hopefully next year a healthy Romeo Okara right maybe a Charles Harris okay you're probably looking at your pass your outside pass rusher saying okay we're set you you can't you have an opportunity to head into this draft after the number two pick not needing a pass rusher and not needing any offensive lineman. That is right. a tremendous luxury to have. The Lions, you know, they they're the top five guys are going to be back on the offensive line and probably uh, Matt Nelson and Evan Brown because those guys are restricted free agents, right? Yeah. They'll probably get the the tag. So you're gonna you're gonna have your top seven offensive linemen back, and you combine that after you take a defensive end, you won't need two of the premier positions uh, for the rest of the draft. Now you can basically just draft best available or need you don't have to reach for anything i I think that's an incredible advantage to have because there's other teams that need one they need two or three offensive linemen that are going to be jumping guys and now you might have a guy fall down into the second third round that you're thinking hey no way he should be here we're going to snag him up i think they're i think they're in a really good spot but no i wouldn't have an issue uh, and, and like you said, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see how free agency plays out. That plays out well before the draft. And, uh, you know, if they go get, uh, you know, a, a defensive end, if they go get a wide receiver, right, that changes everything. Um, but, no, I, I would not have an issue just taking the best defensive players with the top three, maybe the top four picks you have, getting getting the best playmakers you can get to help that defense out. Because I, I think right now as you sit, sit there and look, Offensively, I mean, kind of weird to say, not a ton of needs, right? right? You don't need offensive linemen. You don't need running backs. You don't need tight end. And you're not you worried about taking one. a quarterback because there's not one available. <laughs> exactly. And you need you could probably use another receiver. But like you said, you could find a guy. Brad Holmes has shown he can find a guy in the third, fourth round that can come in and be a good-time player. You can't bank on that happening every single year. No. If there's a guy in the first round that you want that's going to be a stud, you take, you take him. him. Right. But um, – Defensively, I, I got no problem with that. Lining up everything you can defensively. Hopefully some things fall into your lap. And, and guys are going to start to fall back into that bottom of the first round, top of the second round, because teams that need offensive linemen, teams that need pass rushers, are now going to start go reaching for guys. And that's just only going to drop even better players down for you to snag. I think they're in a hell of a spot. Having that conversation um, and the influx of, of young talent, uh, possibly, you know, a, a couple of free agents. Lions were three thirteen and one, and there's a long off season, lot to 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 happen, and and a lot's going to happen with this roster. Your expectation, and and throw in there the conversation we had about the division. Your expectations at this point of the year, looking at schedule, uh, roster additions that could be made. 
How optimistic are you next year that they'll take, and I'm not even talking about making the playoffs, but that they're going to take a big step forward? Yeah, I think that has to be the expectation. Um, When you combine what we already saw, you saw the foundation being laid this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know 13 or or three wins isn't anything to be proud of, but uh, you look at the the toughness they play with, the grit they play with, you you add a couple more playmakers and, and more talent to that team. Look, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of linger around that eight nine win mark. And when you're around there, I mean, it's a fine line from being six wins or eleven wins. I mean, you're eight nine win team. You can sneak out a couple more and get to ten. Now, I don't know if that's fair um, to put on this team. We'll have to see. Obviously, what they do in the off season. But no, I think that they're going to head into the season probably with a lot of people thinking that they maybe they got a chance to be you know not maybe not a cincy going from really bad to the to the conference championship but yep. maybe maybe being an oakland like team maybe being a philly like team uh, that can you know kind of sneak into one of those wild card spots could 14 teams make the playoffs now is it that unrealistic to think that they could be in the top <clears> half Detroit could be right around that 14, 15, 16 mark. I don't think so. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, make a run at a wild card next year. I wouldn't. Um, they obviously have a lot of work to do, but yeah. th- there's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of faith on what Brad Holmes and what Dan Campbell are doing. Well, we're going to talk about the conference championship games that are coming up. We're going to talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame, our take on performance-enhancing drugs and how it affects the the legacy of some players, as well as um, uh, wives. Uh, we're gonna we're oh gonna boy. chat a little bit about those. <laughs> oh we're gonna be, we're gonna we're gonna dance very carefully on that. All right, TJ, I'm gonna let you uh, direct things from here. Which uh, which one of those topics do you want to hit next? Conference title games, wives. Um, what was the other one oh I said? Boy. Baseball. Baseball. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to spend much time on that, but we can start with baseball, I guess. All uh, right. Just the hypocrisy with the with the Hall of Fame voters, so in my you, mind, is incredible. Bonds uh, and Clemens, you, you think mean, they should be in? Yeah, they're, they're two of the best baseball players to ever play. Yeah, but what do you, um, how do you take their, their numbers, their longevity, and pair that with the fact that a lot of those were enhanced? Yeah, well, I think with Barry Bonds, he was, you know, a hell of a player even before that. Um, and you have to think back. I mean, back in the 90s and when those guys were playing, I mean, steroids weren't re- really regulated. Uh, they weren't. Yeah, I mean, they were, yeah, they were testing. It was for kind them. of frowned upon, but it wasn't, it was, they weren't testing for them. Um, so there were probably a ton of dudes doing it. But here's my issue is how can you make a case for, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, all being basically on that, you know, 2003 bombshell list of guys who were supposedly doing steroids when you just voted in a first-time Hall of Famer in David Ortiz, who also happened to be on that list. Well, <laughs> just, yeah, but but hold on. The I, list that you're talking about for David Ortiz and Rob Manfred came out and said that they were testing for things that it could have been, you know, things that were legal that they popped positive for or things that were banned that they popped positive for. They don't know. And it was it was a survey of players 
and he, he could have been a guy, and, and he's denied it. And I know everybody says, well, I never did it. Um, that's not the last time we're going to hear that. It wasn't me. It was right. somebody else. Um, but, I, I mean, does it simply come down to the fact that, hey, people like Big Poppy and they don't like Bonds? They don't to. like Clemens? It has to. I mean, you look at, look, there's been a lot of controversy around guys. Kurt Schilling. Uh, he's not a very well-liked guy with his yeah. political stances and how outspoken he is. Um, you know, with Barry Bonds, I, I don't think I, – I think he, he had a reputation when he was a player that he was always a bit of an asshole. Yeah. Um, not a lot of guys liked him. Um, but you can't take away what they did for the game. I mean, you know how hard baseball is to play. The average Joe just can't go – take steroids and go hit 60 home runs in baseball. Agreed. You still have to hit the freaking ball. You still have to square that thing up. Okay, you took steroids, you're probably getting a little extra pop out of the thing, but you look it look what it did for baseball though. I mean, I remember being a baseball. kid. I remember being a kid and even a couple months ago watching the documentary uh on the home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Look at what that did for baseball. I mean, it was incredible. I still get goosebumps thinking about watching those games when I was a kid. I mean, it's it's incredible what those guys did. Barry Bonds was getting freaking walked with the bases loaded. That's how scared teams, they were intentionally walking him with the bases loaded, saying, yeah. we'll give you the one run. We're not letting you hit a grand yeah, slam or drive a yeah. two or three. Like, that's how good the freaking guy was. And look, I've gone back and forth on this stance many times. I, I, I'm a guy that's, I'm a firm believer, if you cheat, if you take the steroids, look, I mean, you're, you're kind of making your own bed. You get caught, that's tainted. That your legacy is forever tainted. And those guys... Yes, I think it's fair to have that label on them that, you know what, they were hell of a players, but they also cheated, right? But who really knows how many other guys were doing it? I mean, there's probably a ton of guys that just got away with it, right, that you never even know about. Uh, so I, I just don't think there's many consistencies there. But I look at, like those guys, would, would Barry Bonds, would Sammy Sosa, would Mark McGuire, would Roger Clemens, would, would all those other guys still be uh, – incredible baseball players without the steroids in my mind yes they probably would be right you probably got a little extra boost out of it but those guys are still they're still hella baseball players they they transformed the game they they brought it they brought baseball back when they were in their when they were in a dump they brought baseball back when nobody was watching games nobody was going to games they made it exciting again and look i think it's hypocritical too when you talk about the league and how much they have manipulated the game over the years with the balls and the juiced balls and, and, yeah. and things of those natures and um, pitchers now. Okay, you're going to tell me if a pitcher now gets caught with a sticky substance on his hand that you know he's forever banned from the Hall of Fame? That's ridiculous, uh, right? <laughs> you, you, it's a competitive advantage. I get it. I, I get that there should be um, some sort of label on these guys, but to keep them out of the Hall of Fame when they were the best at what they did for years? I mean, Sammy Sosa has records for you know most home Home runs hit in a five-year period. Most home runs hit in a 10-year period in the history of baseball. Like, these are hard things to do. And just because you're taking steroids doesn't mean, oh, your hand-eye contact is better. Now you're squaring up the ball and drilling. And anybody just can't go take steroids and be a great baseball player. No, but you, you still got to be a hell of a baseball player. Those guys were. I think it's just, I think it's the same treatment um, that a lot of people were pissed off about the that Hub Arkish dude from Chicago saying he wasn't going to vote for Aaron Rodgers because he thought he was a I don't think there's much of a difference there. I think it's a personal infliction. I don't like these guys. They're assholes. I'm not voting for them. Aaron Rodgers didn't harm the game because he's an 
How did how did those guys harm the game? Because though? everything from 2000 and even before until what 2010, 2015, all of those guys have a question mark. How much? How many of those guys? Because we don't know how many of those guys were were te- were on the juice. How much longer did Barry Bonds play? Because how many extra swings did he get? Because he could recover faster. Because he was able to to play longer. Because he was on the juice. What do his records mean? I I'm, there's no question he would have been a five home run hitter. You know what? It, it, five. I'm sorry. Five home run. Five hundred home run guy. But did you know what level? did he get to because he was able to recover faster? Roger Clemens, like what he did is phenomenal. It's unbelievable. The length, the longevity that he's played with, but how much longer did he play because he was able to recover? His body was able to repair because of the chemicals he put in there. And I think the integrity of the game from that time span will always be in question. Yes, at the moment, they saved baseball. And, and and I think baseball would have survived, but they they increased the popularity. They cre- they got eyeballs. Players are are making astronomical numbers in terms of dollars because of those guys. But you look at that time, and you it, it draws into question the integrity of those results, the integrity of those individuals because of the decisions that they made. It does. No, I'm not against you, but I don't think that uh, I don't think that keeping them out of the Hall of Fame when there's allegedly a bunch of other guys in the yeah. Hall of Fame, too, that have done the same thing. I Look, agree. I mean, David Ortiz was was on the same list. He was on the 2003 list with McGuire, with Sosa, with those other guys, Jose Canseco, that, okay, pretty well known that this is what happened. And you, when you basically just turn a blind eye to that because you might like the guy because he's just uh, a big so the, gentle the, the, giant. The, the, like it's just, yeah. it's just not consistent. And the message look, is don't I, I be think an asshole. Players are always going to try to find ways uh, to create a competitive advantage, whether it's, uh, you know, steroids, whether it's manipulating equipment, you know, the balls, putting sticky stuff on your fingers, whether you're Tom Brady, <laughs> what are we talking about? whether you're Tom Brady <laughs> deflating footballs, Right? I mean, go back to that Allegedly. in the AFC Championship game. Um, you know, what was it against the Colts? Not the AFC Championship game, but against against the Colts. Uh, you know, they – I mean, you're going to tell me that's the first time Tom Brady deflated footballs or was it the first time he got caught? Uh, like, there's a, there's, a whole di- there's, a whole, there's a whole discussion to be had about players finding ways to manipulate things for success. And, look, yes, I don't like it. I don't like the fact that these guys did steroids. I don't like the fact that – that was part of the game. But what I do also respect is that they were the best. Now, were they the best because of that? We'll never know. Yeah. And that's the question. You still got to hit the ball. You still got to throw the ball. You still got to pitch. You still got to be able to do all those fine, difficult things that baseball requires that not a, not a lot of people can do. And they did it at a very high level. So, And I just think that, you know what, even if you create uh, – I think somebody mentioned, you know, putting on the plaque. Oh, by the way, they were PED users. (laughs) (laughs) Even if that's what it takes, I just think that, look, you can't, I don't think it's a strong enough reason to keep them out. I don't. I think it's been, those guys in my mind have probably paid their dues. Um, For some of them, it's been 10 years, 12 years um, that they've been kept out now. I think that that's probably punishment enough. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Um, 
your boy grows up to be a great baseball player and he sa- he comes to you at the age of 23 and says um dad i could take this substance and it's really going to help me and there's no way that they could test for it right oh, now God. and should i do it it, it, it it's going to it's going to bring me fame and fortune beyond our wildest dreams and i'm going to be the talk of the town i'm going to set records but you know at the end of the line there's a risk that what he's doing could be made public and for the rest of his life everything that he's done is going to be called into question how do you answer that question because and, and i'll give you this scenario we talked about it on the morning show, Stoney and I did. If if those guys aren't allowed into the Hall of Fame ever, because there's there's a, there's still a path for them to get in. It's just not the baseball writers. Um, a, a committee of former players can eventually let them in. Um, and, you know, hey, a kid goes in there and says, why isn't Bonds here? Why isn't McGuire here? Why isn't Sammy Sosa here? And you you, you got to have the discussion about, hey, they did something that was illegal. And I know it wasn't illegal to the game, but legally, it was illegal to possess steroids. And everything that they've done has been drawn into question, which is why they're not here. What do you tell your son if he asks you that question? Well, it's a different era, first of all. I mean, back in the 90s and 80s, it wasn't regulated, you know? Everybody was doing it. I mean, bodybuilders... So the, 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 the players, message to your son players. is no, if no, everybody's no. doing it, it's well, okay. Hey, if there look, if there's a supplement that comes out that is not tested for, is not known about, how is it how would you consider it to be illegal? Well, if it's a if it's a performance enhancing drug. So I guess the, the question is if it eventually, you know, you know, you know, being a former athlete that it's it's Chances are there because the drugs that come out, testing is always lags behind because right. you don't know what to test for unless until you actually know what it is. But you know, down the road, they're going to ban this substance. And, and your son says, Dad, I, I, if I take this, it's going to give me a huge advantage. Everybody's doing it. Well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll compare it to... Um, you know, HGH. I mean, HGH now gets tested for. Right. Um, we both played in that era. But you know what? If uh, if I could, when I was playing, if I could have taken HGH and had it been not tested for, I think everybody would have taken it. Because it, the benefits are not like steroids where it just makes you shredded, makes you ripped. Yeah. Um, I could use HGH those HGH is more, it helps with recovery, right? You recover faster. Why should that be illegal? <laughs> to to get something that's going to help you recover is illegal? Like, that's okay. If I could go back when I was playing, you know, when I was a young player, yeah. and um, even as an old player, if HGH wasn't tested, but you kind of knew, hey, it's, it might be frowned upon, hell yeah, I would have taken it. Because that's my job. My job is to be, is to perform my best. If I could take something that's going to speed up my recovery and help me uh, in other aspects of, of being an athlete, hell yeah, I would have taken it. Hell yeah, I would have taken it. I think 99, if not 100% of other guys would too because well, that's your I, job. That's how competitive it is. That's how stressful it is to always find ways to make sure that you're doing everything possible to 
be the best athlete and player you can be. Hell yeah, I would have taken HGH if it wasn't tested for. And I think everybody else would too. No, I wouldn't. Um, and 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 I got myself in. You the heart. wouldn't take something that no, would help and, you recover. And I got I got into some hot water. Um, and I learned a valuable lesson because I was on with uh, 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 Bob Costa. And he asked me about HGH, and I and I said, it, you know, same thing. Same thing you're saying. If you can't test for it, then you'd be foolish to think that a a a number of a large number of guys aren't taking it. And I threw out a number, not having been able to verify the number or have examples. And he asked me, how many guys do you think? I said, oh, I don't know, twenty percent. And being the uh, the the non mathematician that I am, um, I didn't realize that. Uh, you know, out of 53 guys, 20% would have been at least 10 guys. And then so on, when that finally aired, it came out, hey, what 10 guys are you talking about? And I, you know, I, I wasn't able to back it up. But you and I both know that that happened yeah. and that guys were taking it. And it was a choice because you knew that they couldn't test for it, but it was it was banned. Yeah. And so it was, I, 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 there are a lot of guys I don't think would take a banned substance, even if you couldn't test for it. And for me, it was, hey, I'm carrying my name on the back of my jersey, and I didn't want all of the hard work that I put in through high school, through college, through through the pros, to be tainted at a later time simply because I was trying to get a few more years at the end of my career. Or And, and I understand the money involved. The money, especially at the end of your career, the minimum contract – I think at that time, by the end of my career, it was like seven fifty for a ten year vet, as opposed to like you know one hundred and thirty or one hundred and fifty when I was a rookie, like you know as a, as a, on a rookie contract. I understand that once you make the money, they can't come back and get it, right. and you move on. But I didn't want that to be hanging over my career. Okay, what about last question I'll ask on this topic? If you were a young guy, and <clears throat> what when were you? What, when did you get drafted? Uh, I was in the 99 draft. Right. What round? Uh, I was 37 overall. Second okay, round, yeah, second, second round. round. So you come in as a second rounder, you get in the, you get into the building, uh, all the offensive linemen are doing something, right? It's not tested for, but they're doing something. They're all performing better than you. Um, they're all recovering faster than you, and you're sitting there saying, oh, I'm not going to do it, I don't want to taint it. But all those guys are better, and all those guys are playing. And you as a young player have to make a decision – these guys, I don't like it, but you know what? These guys are doing something that's allowing them to get on the field. How do I close that gap? Would you rather, I mean, what would you do? Um, well, me personally, I've always been, I've, I've drawn a hard line on that. And if I can't do it by myself and through, through legal means, I'm not going to do it. Man. Well, that's a lot of pressure I think a lot of players face is I agree. Maybe they start to see the the decline a little bit. Maybe they start to see other players having more success and you know, and you that's can, what you would piss know me in the off. locker room. Hey, this guy's doing this and it pissed me off too. I mean, you're looking around even when I was playing, you know, um you know, guys that are going to the Pro Bowl every year, guys that are getting all pro and then you look and oh, Taylor Lewan suspended for PEDs. Oh, Lane Johnson suspended, yep. suspended for PEDs. And you're looking at that saying how the fuck is that fair, right? Yep. I'm over here doing it the right way. Those guys are cheating. They're still getting all the accolades. Like, how is that fair? You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that, but I just understand that, you know, there's a lot of players, and specifically probably young guys, where you come in and you're looking saying, oh, this guy's doing something. I, like, 
do I want to be a, you know what I mean? You, yeah. You face oh, a little I, and trust me, and, and I've got a, I got a real world example. There was a defensive lineman that was on our team when I got to Washington, and he was wrapped up in the Balco, uh, you know, whole scandal. When when he went back to another team, what played against him, I'm like, this guy is different. Like the, the, he is playing at a different level. He's got a different level of strength. Yeah. And when I practiced against him, when I played against him, and you just knew that it was it wasn't fair. Yeah. But it still wasn't one one thing that that I was willing to do at that time. And uh, so I do want to switch topics here. Let me add one more thing. Just yeah. when I talk about the HGH, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not consi- You know, it's not an anabolic steroid that's right. going to make you shred it. Here, just a quick Google search. HGH. HGH helps to maintain, build, and repair healthy tissue in the brain and other organs, okay? So when I say I would have taken HGH, it's yeah. based off of that. It's based off of the Correct. healing powers that it has. I'm not sitting here just telling you to take I would have been taking yeah. needles in my ass <laughs> yeah. to be a better football player. I would never have done that. But right. if it, HGH was legal, not tested for, whatever you want to say, I think when you look at something that could have the potential benefits that that does have, yeah. that's something as a player maybe I would have would have reconsidered. Yeah, and, I, and I, I would have never put a needle in my ass with anabolic steroids yeah. or any of those no, things. I, no I chance, that, but yeah. the HGH, just to clear up for some people thinking I would have taken steroids. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. The HGH is a completely different tool. It's a different tool. animal. It's a completely yeah. different tool. And a lot of people take it um, – you know, because HGH isn't illegal. Right. I mean, it's tested for uh, in sports, but it's not illegal in everyday life. I mean, me and you right now could go do HGH therapy and treatment and, and just to help with recovery and yeah. and tissue and whatever. It's a, it's a legal thing to do for normal people. It's yeah. just tested for against uh, in sports because of its recovery effects. So let's go to a much more um, tame subject. Let's talk about wives for a second. How would your wife would have liked uh, <laughs> you taking steroids? <laughs> would she uh, have uh, recorded at, a podcast about yes, it? <laughs> at that time, I wouldn't even go into it at that time. It's a different one. Um, and so this was on the morning after podcast by Kelly Stafford regarding the confrontation between a form, two former Detroit Lions, obviously her husband, Matthew Stafford, and a former Detroit Lion, Indomitian Sue. I see Sue in his face. like I'm watching real time, and I'm like, what is that about? And then they throw the flag. I'm like, what just happened? And at first, I don't realize it's Sue. I'm like, what just happened? And I turn around, and I look at the replay in the suite, and I see Sue. I realize it's Sue, and I'm like, huh. This is interesting. And he is in Matthew's face saying, I'm going to f*** you up. I'm going to f*** you up. Those are his words. <laughs> Fighting words. And to be honest, if I was Matthew, I'd be like, I'm terrified because you are a monster and you could really do some harm. So when he when obviously when I saw that, my I was like, oh, F you, Sue. Like, what is wrong? Like, are you calm? Relax, dude. It's football. And I have no idea what just triggered that. So then I asked Matthew this morning, I said, or no, last night. And he was like, honestly, like, I don't really know what happened. He's like, I didn't really know who tackled me, but I remember getting put to the ground and someone on me. And so I got him off me and tried to go the next play. And then Sue was in my face telling me he was going to me up. And I was like, what? I don't understand. He's like, I mean, who's going to understand it? Whatever. It doesn't matter. But like it infuriated me because you know what? To stand up and tell someone that you're going to f*** them up after you spent years together in an organization and did appearances together and 
and there was never really issues. It was just like he never just he just never I guess like I don't know. Matthew's like I don't know. I guess he doesn't like me. This is news to me. Really don't know. This is when like he would say stuff to me. He was like I don't know why he doesn't like me, but I guess he just doesn't like me. Um, so he kind of like giggled about it when I asked him about it. He was like I have no idea what this guy's doing. Like I don't know why he's so angry at me. <laughs> like okay, you would think with how long. Matthew has been in the league that <laughs> Kelly would understand that defensive linemen do not <laughs> like quarterbacks. No. <laughs> has anybody ever got up after a play and whether they told you or you told them or is the mutual feeling, I'm going to f*** you up. Oh uh, my gosh. Probably it's 30 football. Times, you can't say that. Probably 30 times a game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably 30 times a game. Now maybe it surprised her because it was Sue. Uh, oh my gosh. I shouldn't. Mean, look, there's so many issues. Would you, if, if you're playing, your wife had a podcast and she continually did this talking about these moments. I mean, no, I mean, we've had that conversation. We had it when I was playing. Um, <laughs> You know, she would ask me, what would you do if, you know, and not just Kelly Stafford. I mean, there's been a bunch of other wives that, you know, defend their husbands on social media. And oh, yeah. I think it's absolutely embarrassing. But, um, you know, she would ask me, what would you do if I ever did it? I said I would throw your freaking phone into the lake. Like, I swear to God, if you ever did any of this, I would throw your phone in the freaking lake. Like, you wouldn't, I would freaking delete all your, because it's so embarrassing. Yes. And look, I think you look at, you know, not even with uh, – Kelly's always been very outspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she doesn't like when the fans boo or sell their tickets. Or, right. You know, she throws pretzels at people, and uh, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Uh, look, she's passionate about her husband, and she's got a As voice. she should be. I mean, she's popular. Yeah. She's got a voice. Um, but, you know, you look at some of the that happens with wives and significant others, and you're just like, it's puke-worthy. It's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I mean, look at, you know, even what's going on with Patrick Mahomes' fiance and his brother. I oh, mean, like, I that is the most dis- it's disgusting. disgusting thing ever. I mean, she's spraying a bottle of champagne down into the crowd after they win, and then she's on social media saying, why can't I just do what I want without people yelling at me? Like, you realize people take their kids to games and don't necessarily want to leave soaked in champagne. Like, did that ever cross your mind? Yes. You know, all their stupid little dances they do on the freaking sideline. Yeah. Like, and, and by the way, don't do it on a, on, if, on one of my former teammates that right. got murdered's number. Now, I had I had a conversation with one of my buddies yesterday and and about it, and I said, it, like, it's just, it's so embarrassing to have, you know, your wife or to have even, you know, like moms or brothers or sisters, like, defending you or sticking up for you on social media. Like, you're a grown man, you know? Like that whole situation, it was what it was Sue and Stafford. I don't know. Maybe there was some uh, bent up, you know, anger against each other. I don't know if they were great teammates. I have no idea. I wasn't here. Um, but you know, when people defend their 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 husbands and their players, <laughs> it's just yeah. for me. I get a pit in my stomach because it's so freaking embarrassing. Like it is just, and and I I don't know how these guys, uh, you know, how they go in the locker room. I don't know how Patrick Mahomes doesn't go to his wife or brother and say, all right, dude, cool the Like, come on, man, cool the It's not about you. Like, you know, I don't know how you don't have that conversation. It's just, to me, it's, it's one of the not only funniest things in sports, but it's also like one of the absolute most embarrassing things. It's just, it's embarrassing. So let's talk about, um, about Matthew, um, in this coming weekend's games. 
two like, and zero. Oh I in like the how you said math. You know? <laughs> Why do you got to say it like that? <laughs> well, it's just following <laughs> Kelly's lead. Um, Is that kind of weird though? That you know, it's it's Matthew. Like, yeah, I, I always used to joke with him. I would always call him Matt because it's like, dude, all right, you're 30 now. Like, yeah, you know, you stop. You go. You, nobody calls you Bobby anymore. Like, now yes. you're Bob, right? Yes. You're a grown man. <laughs> yeah. You graduated from your childhood name. <laughs> right. yeah. Says TJ. No, nobody calls you Jonathan anymore. It's just John. <laughs> <That's exactly. laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah. Well, my so, mom still does. Yeah, when so, I do something, it's but, it's it's the full name, right? But you, you're graduated to a John. You're right. no yes. longer a child. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think it's. I think it's. But I think it's funny because she gets so defensive when people say Matt. It's Matthew, like it's, correct. <laughs> it's just it's yeah. another thing that's just hilarious, uh-huh. man. Just stop it. Just <laughs> stop it. So let's talk about Matthew um, taking on the Niners. Uh, if in this game, I think it's simple uh, for me. If the Rams simply take away the Niners' run game. If they do, if they commit to stopping the run, at some point, the secondary for the Rams is good enough. And and you're talking about a future Hall of Famer in Jalen Ramsey that let Jimmy G go ahead and beat himself. Let Jimmy G throw the ball out there in some of those lame duck passes. And Jalen Ramsey have himself a field day. David Long Jr., we saw that earlier in the, in the season. We saw it against uh, Arizona. Hey, these guys are not going to miss those opportunities that we saw missed last week. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I think that the luck has to run out if you're the 49ers, if you're Jimmy G. I mean, he's gotten away with two playoff games now where he's been uh, – pretty freaking terrible right yep. he, he, he made some good throws against Dallas that he made some really horrendous ones uh and then Green Bay I mean he just he just looked like a body out there like yo we need a quarterback just go out there hand it off yep. a couple and he got away with some really bad throws uh I I don't know how much longer that luck can uh you know propel them I don't know if it can take him to the Super Bowl you, you go on the road uh, to LA I know you beat him uh, you know, last game of the season, they beat them, what, six straight games now? San yep. Francisco's kind of had their number, but um, I just think the Rams are playing good football, man. I mean, we you know, we kind of joked about it after they beat the Cardinals about, you know, you bring in Matthew Stafford to throw 13 passes. Like, is that how yeah. you're going to win? And then they go out against Tampa. And, I mean, he had a, he had a, he had a fantastic game. Yeah. He played really, really good football. Um, I just don't know if San Francisco can bottle up that same luck that they've had so far. Uh, the Rams just have too many damn good players. Um, you know, offensively, defensively, they've probably got, what, 10 guys that are, you know, all pro caliber dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if, if you look at San Francisco, I think you have to find ways, like they did against Green Bay, to win with your defensive line. Mm-hmm. You have to. I mean, Bosa... Uh, Armstead, you know, DJ Jones, the other D tackle. Uh, they're gonna have to do it with four, they, they got to do it with four. If they can do that, like they did against Green Bay, where they can get consistent pressure in the backfield, look at Matthew Stafford. I know he, you know, they fumbled the ball bunch last week, but he's still, he's still gonna make you know one or two bad throws that you got to capitalize on, and that could be the difference. I think it's just gonna come down to it's probably gonna come down to the turnover battle. Both teams have had issues yeah. uh, holding on to the football. The Rams obviously fumbling the ball four times last yeah. week against Tampa is a, is a major concern. 
um, and Jimmy G with how reckless he can be on some of the throws. I think it's going to come down to to probably the turnover battle, but I just sitting here right now, uh, I don't see how the Rams, if they played good football like they did really the first two weeks uh, of the postseason, I don't see how they can lose. Well, and and you talk about a team that has lived a charmed life in the playoffs. Uh, that's got to be the Cincinnati Bengals. I think there's a lot of people right now that are, are Bengals fans simply because they want to see this Cinderella story continue. Uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon offensively, they added some you know components on defense throughout the offseason, and it's helped them. But when you give up nine sacks and you still win the game – that to me is is unbelievable. The Bengals obviously they're going to visit Arrowhead. Uh, it's going to be a complete. It's going to be an unbelievable environment for that team to play in. Is there a path for Joe Burrow and the Bengals to continue to make it, it to make it to the Super Bowl? Um, no, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I think. I don't think there's. I don't think there is either. And, and you're not facing Ryan Tannehill again, you right? Know, you're facing Patrick Mahomes. You're facing Tyreek Hill. You're facing Travis Kelsey. You're facing a defense uh, that's really much better now pretty, than it was at the beginning pretty, of the year. Pretty damn good defense. Chris Jones, Frank Clark. You got Tyron Matthew. I know he got hurt last week, but yeah. you're facing a whole whole new team. I, I think Cincinnati's had uh, obviously an incredible season, unbelievable run. Uh, I just can't see him getting past Kansas City. What I saw mm-hmm. Kansas City do in that Buffalo game um, kind of cemented my belief that they're going to be the team to beat. Yep. And since you're young, uh, your offensive line isn't very good. You let up nine sacks and an additional like fourteen or fifteen quarterback hits. Uh, you can't win. You can't win AFC. You can't win the championship games like that. Yep. You can't do it. And, and especially with what Kansas City has and the firepower they have offensively, uh, I don't think Cincinnati can keep up with them. I know Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and uh, the trio receiver, receivers that they have have, have been nice, but um, when you have to just strictly sit back and throw the ball and always playing catch up, uh, I just don't see it. Yeah. I, and, and now I was a bit surprised with the line on it being seven points, I mean, kind of seems like a lot for a conference championship game. Um, but it just feels like the chiefs, they're just are rolling primed right now. for a blowout. It kind of yeah. feels that way. Just the way they've been playing and the confidence that they gained, uh, last week, uh, beating Buffalo in overtime in the way that they did. Mm-hmm. I think their confidence just has to be, uh, extremely high right now. I don't see a way they lose. I don't see the way they. I don't see a way they win by less than probably ten. To be honest with you, I think that they're just. So they you're just putting, got too much. You're, you're taking. You're taking the, the the. You're giving the points and saying, you know what? I'm 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 laying the money this weekend I on would. Kansas I might, City. I might go the alternate spread and bump that bitch up to like nine and a half. <laughs> 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 Try to really cash in a little bit. I just think. Look, I think I, I said yeah, the last two minutes of that Buffalo KC game. I just got that feeling. Whoever wins this game is probably going to win the Super Bowl. That's just kind of how it felt. It felt like both those teams uh, were playing the cleanest football. Right, the mm-hmm. cleanest football. Um, can't say that about the Rams turning the ball over four times and almost blowing a twenty-four point lead. You can't say that about Cincy, who uh, you know turned the ball over a couple times and, and got the quarterback smoked every game. You can't say the same about um, you know San Francisco, who's been kind of sneaking their way by. Right, Kansas City looks like they're playing the best football out of anybody, and I think that's that's what it's going to come down to this weekend. I don't. I hope it's a good game. 
for yeah. our sake, you know, fan's sake, but I just don't see how Cincinnati has any chance. So they're still a long way away from being a Super Bowl contender in my mind. I agree. Um, and by the time we talk next week, we're going to know who's in the Super Bowl. Um, so give me your Super Bowl predictions right now. Which two teams? Well, I think it's going to be Kansas City and probably the Rams. Um, you know, the Rams just have a feel about them, like a team of destiny type of feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be unbelievable football to watch Stafford duel it out with Patrick Mahomes, which ultimately is, I think, is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think the Chiefs will probably end up uh, winning the whole thing. I just, you look at, they're getting healthy at the right time. Their offensive line is playing way better. Um, they've got a bunch of healthy dudes. That's really what kept them down last year against Tampa. Their offense, you know, they're playing with two backup tackles and a bunch of backups in that Super Bowl and got beat up. But those guys are playing a lot better. And when you you protect Patrick Mahomes, you give him time. I mean, you saw it against Buffalo. 13 seconds, all he needs to gain 50 (sighs) yards to go down and get a field goal. There's just, there's something special about them. But no, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Kansas City and uh, and LA. Well, my prediction is the same. Uh, And when we come back next week, we'll find out if we're, uh, if we're right. Um, You've been listening to Necessary Roughness with Lang and Jansen.